How about I pray? Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that by it you make us wise for salvation in Christ. Lord, we thank you that everything that we need can be found in him. And we pray that as we study these words in Ecclesiastes together, you would help us to better understand that, that we might be faithful disciples of Christ, to the glory of your name, and for Jesus' sake. Amen. I don't know if you've been following the American politics uh, recently in the news. Barack Obama and Mitt Romney have had to change their campaigning program over the past week quite drastically. Now, instead of attending some uh, final rallies, uh, doing some last-minute meet and greets, trying to win over those swing states that could go either way, whether it be to the Republicans or the Democrats, but they had planned to do that over the past week, and yet, that hasn't been what they've been doing. Instead, they've had to aid in rescue and relief efforts with Hurricane Sandy bearing down on the east coast of the United States. So Obama was back in the White House Situation Room and Romney, out of conscience, uh, followed uh, what Obama did in cancelling those events. He cancelled his own rallies as well. No one can really tell how it's affected either of their election efforts to be the next president of the US. The past week's just been one big reminder for them that we live each day with great uncertainty about tomorrow, what tomorrow really holds. That's true for us tonight, whether we're a Christian or not. Uh, None of us can be sure about what will happen tomorrow. I'm sure Barack Obama and Mitt Romney would love to know what's going to happen next week. But none of us do. None of us can, no matter how powerful we are. And that's what the author of Ecclesiastes, in our verses this evening, uh, confronts us with. That stark reality, we cannot know what tomorrow holds. He is wrapping up his study on life under the sun, and he's been investigating what it's like to live in this world, if this world is all we can really know. How can we live wisely, day by day, if this life is all we have to go on? And his wisdom for us here in these verses is driven by the fact that we we cannot know what tomorrow holds as people in this world trapped by the limitations of time and space. If this life is all we have to go on to make sense of life, what we can observe about our world day by day, well then in many ways we cannot know what's going to happen tomorrow, what the future holds. How do we live wisely in a life like that? How do we live wisely today with the uncertainty of tomorrow? Well, the preacher starts by promoting us to be wise with the resources that we do have today. Come with me to chapter 11, and let me just start reading from verse 1. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Maritime shipping was a a very important industry in the time of Ecclesiastes. It's also something that King Solomon was pretty familiar with, the guy who probably wrote this book. Uh, Very familiar with uh, maritime shipping and trade. Uh, What he would do is he would send his wealth away in the form of his own naval fleet. He'd send it to some far and distant country so that they might be able to trade and bring back great wealth to his own kingdom. 
He would let go of what he had in order to bring back a greater investment in the future. He would gain more eventually. That's what the preacher is promoting us to do here in the face of an uncertain tomorrow. Not with a naval fleet, of course. I don't think any of us have control of a navy. But with the way that we do use what we have. Invest it in a cause that might bring good return when you really need it as you face an uncertain future. But maritime shipping, the kind that's spoken of here in this first verse, it was a pretty risky business. Ships could sink in storms, they could be taken over through piracy, in the traditional sense, the pirates actually taking over ships. Masses of valuable cargo and provisions lost in a matter of hours. And so the preacher also adds in verse 2 his wisdom, give a portion to seven or even to eight. Give a portion to seven or even to eight. In other words, spread out your investments as you secure yourself against an uncertain future in this life. Don't put all of your securities into one boat. One of the uh, programs that I've been strangely enjoying on Astro at the moment is Doomsday Preppers. I don't know, has anyone... Hey, put your hand up if you've seen Doomsday Preppers. Okay, a few, a few. Okay, so here's a... That's the kind of running poster in the advert. You've got two guys who wear gas masks a lot more than the average person would. Uh, it's on that geo. And what they do is they interview a number of families who are basically addicted to preparing for future possible catastrophes. Uh, We're not just talking about putting a few supplies in the cupboard here in case the power goes out for a little while. These guys, they go to absolute extremes. So last week they had a man on the show who bought a defunct missile silo somewhere in Nebraska and converted it into his own home. He and his wife, they live underground most of the year. They're protected by 12 foot of hardened steel and concrete on every side. They have food stores that, food stores that they keep on having to renew and renew that will keep them uh, in good health for two years in case the world should collapse. They've even gone as far as building an underground hydroponic bay so that they can actually uh, grow their own fruit and vegetables if they can't go outside to the local supermarket. Uh, now, they can monitor what's going on in the real world through their own CCTV system and motion cameras and infrared so they can see things in the dark. They can monitor all of that from their lounge room underground. They have all of the survival gadgets you could possibly think of. They even have a pretty well-stocked armory. Lots of guns so they could defend themselves from scavengers or zombies. They take the Boy Scout motto, be prepared, to a whole new level. But are they really prepared? Are they really prepared? See what the preacher says at the end of verse 2 here. The saying, spread out your security, give, give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. You know not what disaster may happen on earth. It, it's impossible, the preacher says, to fully prepare for every future contingency in this world under the sun when we cannot know what the future holds. There's an economic meltdown, then that doomsday prepper family, tucked up quite comfortably in their missile silo with their two-year supply of fruit and veg, they're going to be doing very well for themselves. They're suddenly going to become the most popular neighbours on the block. But being trapped underground in limited space is the very last place you're going to want to be if there's a major earthquake instead. 
You see, that missile silo will turn into a pile of rubble in no time at all. As the preacher says, it's better to spread out your resources, your securities, for the future. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't hoard all that you have and put it under one form of security. Because there's no way that you can know what disaster could be coming in the future. So secure yourself in many different ways. In plenty of ways we do that today. Uh, Particularly in Malaysia, I notice insurance plans are incredibly popular. You can get travel insurance, medical insurance, life insurance, pre-postnatal insurance, child insurance, and the list just goes on and on and on. Others, well, they keep it a little bit simpler. You keep American dollars in the cupboard in case their own currency fails overnight, although the American dollar is not doing so well at the moment. We can even dig our own little underground trench if we want to, if we have the land and the tools and the time for it. But even all those things, no matter how many things we invest ourselves in for security, they cannot secure us against the uncertainty of the future completely. They might bring some peace of mind to us as we live day by day, but nothing in this world offers perfect security against what the future can hold. You could get hit by a bus tomorrow, and all the insurance plans and the money and the underground trenches in the world aren't going to mean a thing if that happens. So the preacher says, be wise with what you have. Invest wisely, spread out your resources to prepare for an uncertain tomorrow. But realize that in your own strength, well, you can only prepare in, to a limited extent. Many things are outside of our control in life under the sun and totally unknown to us. Well, the preacher warns us now that the fact that we can't know what tomorrow holds can lead many of us to doing, rather than seeking to prepare, 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 to do the absolute opposite. We are too cautious in our decisions and our actions. He moves on to his second point in verses 3 and 4. Don't be overly cautious with an uncertain tomorrow. Don't be overly cautious. Look in verse 3. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, well, there it will lie. It's quite a strange change of topic, isn't it? Why why is the preacher giving us a geography lesson here? It's quite obvious as well. It's more common sense. When a cloud is full of water, it's going to rain. Uh, When a tree falls, most probably due to a strong wind beating against it, whether it be from the north or from the south or any other direction, well, wherever that tree falls over, that's the place in which it's going to lie. It's not going to get up again. Law of gravity gravity guaranteed every time. Well, these two factors, rainfall and wind, they might not mean a great deal to us now, although in recent events they should, But for the first readers of Ecclesiastes, these weather patterns could be truly life-changing events. They cared a great deal about the weather because they lived off the land. They lived in an agricultural community and their well-being for their future was determined by how well the harvest would come about. Would they have a good harvest, much food, or would they have a poor harvest and be possibly facing famine? So they were worried about the weather. You, you sow your seed when it's windy enough for trees to be blown down, it can get scattered all over the place. Land in, uh, land in places where it really shouldn't be, where it can't grow, whether it be on the paths or wherever else. And you'll get a poor harvest, little crops. Uh, you fail to reap when the rains come in, well the whole crop is destroyed. No harvest. 
But the trouble is, just as it is today, the weather can be very unpredictable. Now, we've got better at predicting the weather, but we still can't do it perfectly. And yet the preacher sees there's an even greater problem on the horizon in terms of the way people respond to this kind of unpredictability in the future. Have a look in verse 4. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. The preacher says we often fail to act and act wisely because we're so insecure about the uncertainty of things that we cannot foretell. You know, so for Israel and the preacher's day, it was failing to sow or reap any harvest for fear of the weather turning on them. They would just gaze up. They would wait and wait and wait for that cloudless sky in the sky, uh, cloudless sky. Or a totally still morning with no wind. But often, those conditions, they never came. So no work was done, no seed is sown, no harvest is reaped, and the people starve. And we see that kind of folly today in our own world, even though we're not as dependent on agriculture as we were. A banker hesitates over a stock, and they lose their money the following day because they fail to act. A husband waits too long at work to see if the traffic will die down on an e- one Friday evening and then gets a scolding from his wife when he comes home late anyway. A guy hesitates over asking out a girl and in the end, someone else sweeps her off her feet. Deciding to play it safe, acting in an overly cautious manner all the time because we can't tell how things are going to work out, the preacher says, that's foolish. That's not a wise way to live with the uncertainty of tomorrow. You'll just end up nowhere. Those perfect conditions that you're just waiting for and hesitating over may never appear. So act boldly. Act wisely, but act boldly. That's what the preacher is saying. Even in the face of what we cannot know, what we cannot predict, what we cannot foretell. Look in verses 5 and 6. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. The preacher, he reminds us again, there are certain things that will always remain a mystery to us in this life. It's hopeless hesitating over where our circumstances might lead all the time because we are in the dark about those circumstances so much of the time. You know, in ancient times, they didn't have a clue about how life developed in a mother's womb. And yet even today, you know, great advances in medical knowledge, we still don't really know how life comes into being. I mean, we have a better idea of the biological chemical processes, how the fetus develops in a mother's womb. But the mechanics of the soul coming to that unborn child, personality, we have very little idea still of how that works. Well, the preacher says in the same way we have little idea of why God causes things to happen the way that they do. As he said, you do not know the way, sorry, you do not know the work of God who makes everything. You do not know the work of God who makes everything. We know he made us along with everything else as the Lord of creation and we know that he is working sovereignly through all things, according to his great wisdom. But why he works in a particular way, in a particular circumstance, well, that is something that's often hidden from us. 
And it's as the preacher acknowledges that fact, that God is in control, he is working, but often in a way that we cannot discern, that he comes to his conclusion. How does he say we're to live wisely with the uncertainty of tomorrow? Verse 6, In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Basically, take chances. Take the chances that you're given, the opportunities that are put before you, because you just don't know which are going to succeed and which are going to fail. You don't have that privilege of foresight. God's in control, but we are not. You don't know what's around the corner. So it's better to sow in the morning and in the evening. It's better to plan wisely, but then to take the opportunities you're given. Because if you cease working, and you cease making decisions, and you cease committing yourselves to plans of action, for fear of failing, you're just going to fail anyway. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Yet on the other hand, if you work hard and you roll with the punches, if you accept the fact that you can't know what's ahead of you, and that sometimes things just won't go according to your plan, well, then at least some of your work can prosper. You know, the, the, the preacher's wisdom here basically boils down to two simple lessons as we live in this world where we can't know what tomorrow might bring. The first one, act wisely. Uh, diversify your securities to prepare for a future you cannot know, to prepare, to prepare for disasters you cannot foresee. Act wisely. But secondly, act boldly. Don't hesitate to act for fear of not knowing what tomorrow might bring, because you just won't get anywhere. That's the preacher's advice to us in these verses as one speaking under the sun, as one who is limited to just making observations about this life in time and space, he himself not being able to foretell the future. And yet, friends, we have the great privilege of understanding far more than the preacher ever could, don't we? God in his mercy has made a far greater and more expansive wisdom known to us by coming to us himself in the person of Jesus. God made man. And as we listen to him, we can understand the fullness of God's wisdom that he has revealed for us, his people, that stretches way beyond the limitations of time and space that we live with each day, even as we face an uncertain tomorrow. So firstly, I want to address us particularly if we're not a Christian here this evening. We're not a Christian. What does Jesus have to say to us about living and acting wisely but boldly with the uncertainty of tomorrow? Well, because Jesus' wisdom stretches beyond the things of this world, he is able to teach us how to act wisely in order to prepare for our ultimate tomorrow our eternal future, which he alone can know and speak with about with authority. Life after we die. There's nothing more important than that, is there? The question of our eternal security. And Jesus puts it this way for us in Mark's Gospel. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What can a man give in return for his soul? You know, we could be rich, have a great, large family, Many dependents. We could live successfully, tick all the boxes by this world standards. We could avoid every worldly disaster that comes at us from round the corner that we couldn't foresee. And yet Jesus says 
That's a really foolish investment if by doing so, you forfeit your soul. You forfeit your soul. You fail to receive eternal life. Friends, that's a danger that we all face. We've all failed to live a life worthy of God. Uh, None of us deserve to live under the blessing of his rule forever because we've all chosen the path of sin. The path of sin. In our hearts we reject him as our creator and our Lord. Uh, We live for the things of this world rather than for him who made us. You know one of the ways in which that shows? When we try to take more control of our tomorrow and our future circumstances than we really can. When we plan our day, we say, it's my time, it's my day, it's going to be my way. And then the minute that falls apart, the minute we are stuck in a traffic jam and we want to be at a particular appointment, the minute something doesn't work out according to our plan for our life, what happens? We get angry, frustrated, resentful, upset, we despair. Well, that's just another sign of us taking, wanting the control that only God can have, seeking to take his place in our lives rather than trust him. And friends, our sin, our rebellion against God as creator and Lord, our love to want to be in his place rather than submit to him, that is really bad news. That is really bad news because what we deserve for our sin is death and God's judgment. Not eternal life, but eternal separation from God's goodness and provision in that place that Jesus calls hell. And thankfully, Jesus didn't just come to make known to us the greatest problem, the greatest future threat we will ever face. He came to deal with it. tells us again in Mark 8, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. Jesus says, the wisest investment you can make today in this life, is to surrender our lives entirely to him. That is something of which we can be certain. Because Jesus lived up to his word. He did as he preached. He said, trust in me, and then he went to the cross as the Son of God and took the full punishment we deserve that we were facing for our sin, for all the ways in which we pretended to be the gods of our own lives. He defeated that sin and death, the punishment we deserve in his own body on that tree and then rose victorious three days later so that we might have the promise of forgiveness, that we might have the promise of eternal life by depending on him. The preacher said in his limited wisdom under the sun, act wisely by spreading out your investments. And that makes sense for preparing for unforeseeable disasters in this life in this precarious world. But when it comes to preparing for the ultimate tomorrow, eternal life, well, friends, either we put our trust entirely in Jesus, or he tells us we have no hope at all. We have no hope at all. He alone is the one who has lived and died to cleanse us of our sins, that we might be right with God. So with him, we go against the preacher's wisdom, we say we must put all our eggs in one basket, for our eternal security. Don't put our faith in some works and our faith in some of our behaviour when we're having a good day or our faith in any one of the other religions that this world has to offer. usually promotes us in our own works anyway. No, we take Jesus as our Saviour and Lord and we depend solely on him. 
It's the only wise way to prepare for eternity. And just as the preacher says, act boldly in the face of uncertainty, that's what Jesus tells us too. He warns us that there is a day coming and we cannot know when it will, when it will happen, when he will return and bring in that final judgment of God that he has promised. We can be certain that day is coming, but we don't know when. And Jesus says, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate when it comes to putting your trust in him with an unforeseeable tomorrow. If you know you need to trust in him, do it. Do it now. Because one day we are warned it will be too late. One day, if we hesitate and hesitate and put it off and put it off until that final day, the day of our death or the day of his return, well then we will meet him not as our saviour, but as our judge. Condemned for our sin which we cannot pay for ourselves and we will, as Jesus has said, forfeit our soul forever. Friends, act wisely and act boldly. Entrust your life to Jesus if you haven't done so because he alone is the one who sets us free from sin and brings us to eternal life. But what if we have done that? What if we are trusting in Christ this evening? What does wise but bold living look like as one saved in Christ? Well, being wise will mean we continue trusting in him each day. We keep on investing ourselves entirely in him above everything else, knowing that as we face an uncertain tomorrow, whichever worldly investments and security should fail, whatever disaster might befall us in this life, even in death itself, we are secure in him for eternity. It gives us great confidence when facing an uncertain tomorrow. But then what about the other side? What about boldness? Boldness for us as Christians. In what ways are we to be acting boldly in Christ? Well, you remember what Jesus said in our New Testament reading. Here are a few verses from it in Matthew 6. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore don't be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. As those whom God has saved and redeemed in his Son, and brought to eternal life, we are to live boldly by faith in him, as we seek his kingdom first. That's our chief priority now. We seek to do his will in serving the gospel. But often, we as Christians, we hesitate over exactly that. We hesitate over knowing and doing his will for us. You know, one of the questions I get asked quite often, a little bit less now, but uh, used to certainly get asked over the past few years very often is, Tim, how did you know that serving as a pastor in Malaysia was God's will for you? You know, it seems so far-fetched. How, how did you know it was the right thing to do? And I tell them quite bluntly, I didn't. I didn't. I had no idea that it was God's plan for me to come and serve as a pastor here in Malaysia long term. You know, when I got onto that plane for the first year, I thought I was coming here for one year to spend a bit of vacation time in the sunny tropics and work on my tan. You know, Andrew soon set me right on that one. No, but seriously. Yeah, I had God's priorities for my life. You know, they're here in his word. 
And I knew from his word that my chief aim should be to glorify him with the abilities and the opportunities that he has granted to me and to discern wisely. And one of those opportunities that was put before me was coming here to serve the gospel with you guys. So after much prayer and taking on board the counsel of others, I felt, yeah, this is the best option. And I went for it. I acted. I had no idea I'd still be here seven years later, still working on my tan. You know, the Lord confirmed that in his own time. Now, I'm not saying we should all become pastors. We serve the gospel according to the abilities and the situations that God has granted to us each day, whatever situation we find ourselves. But friends, I think we waste so many opportunities because we do hesitate. We want further assurances before we commit to a godly course of action. Whether it be a sign in the sky, a small voice inside our heads, whether we create little tests for ourselves, or if this happens, I know it's the will of God. If this happens, I know it's the will of God. And yet God hasn't promised he will speak to us in any of those ways. He can. Of course he can. He's God. But he hasn't promised he will. Let me read Hebrews 1 verse 1. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, the days in which we now live as his church, he has spoken to us by his Son. How do we meet his Son? We meet him, we hear him, and we live under his authority in the word that testifies to him. God expects us to act wisely and boldly in accordance with his word and trust him with the rest, with that which is outside of our control. And again, one area in which we can be so cautious is our witness to Christ in doing the work of sharing the gospel each day. You know, we're, we're reluctant to share the gospel with our neighbours, our friends, our family, those, those who we happen to meet and strike up a conversation with, because we're unsure about how they're going to react. We're fearful because we can't discern the outcome of each of our conversations. Is it going to go well? Is it going to go badly? Am I going to have all the answers that they, that, that they might want? We tell ourselves, oh no, no, the timing's not right. Uh, they're just too busy to listen. Uh, much better to just to wait for another day much better to wait for a more conducive environment when they seem more in the mood to listen, when it's quieter. You know, a bit like the farmer from Ecclesiastes, just staring up, just waiting. We're just waiting for a cloudless sky before we sow the crops, a cloudless sky that never comes. And so he never does. You know, so often it seems better to us to play it safe in our evangelism and not act. And yet we will miss wonderful, God-given opportunities to serve him and his gospel if that's all we do. Just hesitate and hesitate for that which we do not know. Friends, can I encourage you this week? Keep on stepping out in faith boldly and entrust the results of the God who has promised he will save by his word as we hold it out to others. So, as you live with the uncertainty of tomorrow in this coming week, the preacher, and in Christ, says, be wise. Above all earthly securities, which are fine to a point, trust in Christ, knowing that ultimately we have a sure foundation for the future in him, no matter what might befall us. And be bold. 
Be bold. Don't be overly cautious, but step out in faith. Make the most of every opportunity you have to do the work of the kingdom, to share the good news of Christ crucified, and trust your Father in heaven to see to your every need as you do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for the certainty of your promises now that you have so graciously reconciled us to yourself by the blood of your Son. Lord, thank you that as our Heavenly Father, you have promised to uh, supply our every need according to your great wisdom as we do the work of the kingdom. Help us, Lord, to be wise, to continue trusting in Christ each day, delighting in him and serving him above all. And help us, Lord, in that, to be stepping out boldly in faith, not hesitating over those things which we cannot control, but resigning that hesitation to you, trusting that you will work in all things for our good and for the glory of your name. So help us with these things, we pray. Amen.